0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to Winston Smith's Diary. Been on a little bit of a hiatus the last two plus months. Uh, just want to give a quick uh, synopsis of why that is and how I came to interview Derek Bros for this episode. So I will uh, I'll timestamp the interview with Derek if you want to skip to that, but I want to give a quick prelude to a- how this came about because it. It's fairly interesting. Um, I think it has, uh, you know, a couple things in common with what a lot of people are going through. But um, here we go. So, in the end of August, early September, I was in the Seattle area working at a uh, government office that will remain nameless for for this purpose. I was a contractor. Um, contractors in the government are highly disposable. So. The first, uh, the first declarations of uh, uh, President Brandon's um, mandates were coming out um, and contractors are pretty much the first on the chopping block if you don't comply. So they came around. The date was fairly ambiguous for a while, but then finally a hard date came through in an email on a Friday afternoon saying somewhere around the second week of September um you you will have to comply you will have to either get the vax and, and certify your vax status or you will have to be tested twice weekly and carry papers on your person to access job sites facilities etc full nazi shit carry your papers to to work so once i got this email i i responded pretty quickly and i said um i will not comply with any of this stuff At any time, under any circumstances, I find these mandates to be a gross violation of my religious beliefs, uh, my basic human rights, natural law, HIPAA, uh, the Nuremberg Code, (coughs) and the Bill of Rights in our Constitution of the United States of America. Uh, I didn't resign, but I said, please let me know if this will affect my job role or capacity at all. Uh, please let me know that as soon as humanly possible. So this was again end of the day on Friday. So by Thursday or so lunchtime, so three and a half business days, my immediate supervisor emails me and says, "Oh, thank you, uh, thank you, Patrick, for your contributions to the team and your hard work. Um, please bring all your stuff in tomorrow. Um, essentially, you're done." So they made that decision um, within you know a couple of days um i submitted some some legal documents to say that uh what you're doing is wrong it's against federal law state law et cetera, et cetera. i have i should have a pretty good wrongful termination suit uh in the works we'll we'll think about that but anyway that's how i got on this road to where i ended up now so that was in the first week of september where that all went through a couple weeks later i moved out of my apartment after that I was kind of uh, wandering around. I was camping, um, you know, uh, augmented my camping supplies, put my half, more than half of my shit in storage and kind had the other, the essentials in my vehicle. Uh, I was camping around with a friend or two, uh, stayed in a hotel room here and there, crashed with a friend here and there. This lasted almost two months uh, until the end of October, where I ended up... At a um, at a festival in, near in the Seattle area, Squatch Fest that uh, we that has come come into uh, existence in the last year and a half or so, but uh, that was at the very end of October. After that, I, I you know things were getting cold in the Pacific Northwest. It's fucking um, rainy. You know, between about November and April, it's straight up rain all the time it's not super cold but it's cold enough that it's not good for camping so anyway uh i needed a a little bit of a different option at that point so from the festival at the very end of october uh, i met a friend at this festival who was working at a farm in southern oregon uh, a farm which deals in um, one of one of all of our favorite cash crops so i figured hey i could go down there and and uh you know make a little cash maybe for a month or so and see what happens so but the interesting thing is that uh what I want to kind of outline here before we get into the interview and how I ended up here is the interesting signs that the universe was giving me, so to speak. I don't know if anyone out there if you're if you if you recognize signs or little things from the universe, you know coincidences and synchronicities that are too dead on to be straight up coincidences i'm um, more open to that in the last uh couple years maybe I'd say to to looking out for those and recognizing those and that's kind of what brought me here so uh on my way out of this uh the site of the festival I would say the owner was saying oh you're gonna make some legal money oh cool man if I were you I'd do the same thing if I were not you know if I didn't have a a house and things you know holding me down fuck it man I'd go down and make some cash and fucking fuck up, go to Mexico, yeah, why not, so that planted a little seed, which is interesting, Uh, so I go down to the, the farm in Oregon, and when I got there, um, essentially, it was there a couple days, and um, to sum it up, the vibe was not that great, as far as the owner, and how things were happening there, I'll leave out the details, but after a day or two, I was pretty sure that you know this was not the place for me to be in the near future Um, and going back to the kind of indications from the universe or i uh recently got into or or, i bought a pendulum so if you're familiar or not you know if you go into any kind of crystal store if you're if you're if you're in tune with energy and picking up you know signs and signals and and things of that nature then um a pendulum is interesting because you could you you literally hold it and it will according to your own in inner ideas and and your inner energy it will theoretically shake one way or another vertically means yes right and left means no and there's more to it but anyway if you want to you can get a pendulum and hold it and ask it questions and see if it'll give you a useful answer so that's what i did so when i got to this farm in oregon i did that um and I, after the first night i got there when we met the owner and things were a little weird i asked um okay is this is this the place i should be for the near future is this the good thing is this is this a good plan for right now and it said no I said, no, that's not good. So then I waited a minute or two and I asked again. It said no. So that was one indication. Um, So then things got progressively a little weirder, a little more unstable over the next two or three days. And I decided I was going to leave. And I had this date in my mind from uh, Derek Bros has what he calls the Underground Railroad, which will help you if you want to come to Mexico, check it out see what's going on, he'll essentially, depending on the the date and the the occasion, um, you can link up with him and he will help you cross the border, help you with, you know, translation, help you with paperwork, just help you to prepare to, to go through and all the the uh, procedures and this and that. And then if you want to, you can follow him to Morelia um, a, as a final destination. And, and so I had that in there was a, if you're on the email list, you get an email and There was a date, November 9th, whereby if you wanted to join this caravan, this crossing, you could join on November 9th. So I had that date in my mind, and once this thing in Oregon didn't work out, I said, "Um, okay, well, I'm just going to head that direction. I'm going to eat, and this was within four or five days. I looked up how long it would take to drive from Southern Oregon to Texas, essentially, you know, Houston or the border. And it was about 32 hours and I had four days to do it. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna drive in that direction. I'm gonna email him, I'm gonna go fill out the survey again, update my info, and hopefully I'll get a word back. And, uh, and if it works out, then that's what I'll do. If it doesn't, then maybe I'll go check out Arizona, I'll do something else. So this is what I did. As I left the farm in Oregon, as I got into phone, uh, cell phone reception, I pulled up the GPS and I said, uh, I looked up the directions before it said essentially to go from Southern Oregon to Texas, take I five straight South and take I 10 straight East instead of a diagonal. It said just go down and then over. So I said, okay, that's what I'll do. So I just, so once I got into reception, I opened up my GPS and I said, uh, put in let me just give me a general direction get me to the interstate and get me going south i put in i might have put in compton i don't know i might have put in la I might have in Com- i as like compton's my pretty much my general direction uh so i did that and as i'm doing this another here's another little inkling from the universe as i pull off to the side of the road i'm pulling up my little Waze app and i'm going to put in my my next uh point that i want to go just to give me get me to the interstate and get me going south uh, on my radio, my SiriusXM, trademark, blah, blah, blah. Um, Rome by the B-52s was playing, R-O-A-M. Rome if you want to, Rome around the world. Um, some of my more Gen X people will know the song. So that was interesting. Right when I pulled it up, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to go with that. So I'm driving south on I-5. I called my friend who lives in North Hollywood after I got a few hours down, got to a rest stop, and... Again, I'm just gonna I'm gonna see if this Mexico thing is gonna happen, and I called him up. And as far as he knows, I'm in Seattle. But I called him up and um, said, "Hey, man, i um, got an interesting question for you. Um, could I uh, any chance I could stay at your place tonight?" And he's kind of like, uh, "Tonight? What?" Um, and I gave him, "Yeah, you know, yeah, I think I'm I'm coming down that way. I might go to Mexico. What's the deal? You know, is it cool? If not, let me know." Um, so he's like, uh yeah yeah yeah. sure sure so from southern oregon to la is around 10 or 11 hours so i did that i uh, got there shortly before midnight the next morning i had already um i sent the email trying to get in contact with Derek Bros or whoever may manage the underground railroad uh correspondence this and that and hadn't heard back yet it has been it'd been a couple days i was gonna see if i could make that happen but i said i'm just going to go in that direction see what happens so uh in the morning got to my friend's house stayed there for the night got in the morning did a very quick little uh touristy tour of hollywood went through laurel canyon went to griffith observatory the hollywood sign by the time by the time we were getting back you know had lunch by the time we're getting back to my friend's apartment we're driving and at this point i'm thinking um you know i don't know if this is going to happen and my, my my buddy's like hey uh Yes. Yeah, so what's a uh, you know? What's up with this Mexico thing? Are you had he- you're doing that. Is what's what's the deal? And I hadn't heard back yet. And so the idea in my mind is like, well, I don't know. Probably not. I hadn't heard back, and I was kind of bummed about it. And literally, I'm not shitting you. Within 30 seconds to a minute at the most. Prob you know probably more to 30 seconds. As I'm having this thought in my head, we come up to a, the cross street and. We stop and it's a red light, and the street is called Morella, M-O-R-E-L-L-A, which is one letter different from Morelia, which is where Derek, um, essentially, you know, invites people to follow him too. So I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting sign. As I had the thought that this is not going to happen, I get um, I get this little encouragement, and I was like, okay. So we get back to this place again, where I'm, I'm wondering, okay, we just did a quick little tour of some, some LA touristy shit real quick and and again I'm thinking okay do you want to do something else do you want to hang out or do you want to get back on the road do you want to get back on the road go, go to Mexico and as I'm talking to him I just my buddy comes out and I'm like hey do you ever do you ever pay attention to stuff like that where the universe might give you a little sign a little interesting signal and he's like yeah yeah um I've had that happen and then and we're talking about that. And I told him about the street, and he's like, oh, that's cool. So the only difference was the street that we came up to is that uh, Morella, the only thing that's missing is the eye. The eye is not there, meaning meaning me. And you know, I was like, oh, okay. And as he says that, he's like, well, if you don't go to Mexico, what are you gonna do? I was like, well, I might go check out Arizona. I don't know, I might see with some people there, kind of I know some people casually. And as we're talking about Arizona, he says, um, "You know, well, Arizona has a reputation. Uh, maybe you know different parts of it, well deserved or not. That, well, I'm sure Arizona is cool, but it might not be as cool if you're black or you're Mexican. So, again, Mexico comes up. And then, as he says this, a guy comes by walking two dogs, and one of them is a some big dog, and one of them is a Chihuahua. I was like, oh, okay, another little sign. So again, I'm just, I'm just." my my mindset now is to uh when these little things come up i'm more observant i'm more of um take it into consideration like is that a coincidence or something else so i said um we're, we're sitting there thinking like okay i'm gonna hang out here more i'm just gonna get back on the road and then it was like there's no wasn't much to do he had things to do so i'm just gonna get back on the road so i said fuck it i'm just gonna go get back on the road and the next morning Um, I believe I got an email from Derek from and kind of linked up with him said here's the plan meet us here at this time That's how I ended up uh, (laughs) Crossing the border to make it um, Hopefully as quick of a story as I can So to get here. I got these interesting signs from the universe um, and kind of conversely now that I am here I've been here a couple weeks and I am uh, I'm wondering now that I'm here, well, what am I going to do? I'm not sure. I don't have a uh, profound idea what I should be doing right now, but I'm going to enjoy it. And I hope that you all will enjoy the interview with Derek. And I will see you on the next one. Hopefully there will be many more podcasts with um, a bunch of awesome guests. So thanks everybody for listening. Thank you to Derek. All his links and information will be in the description that we talk about. And we will see you on the next one, everybody. And remember, down with Big Brother. Peace. Welcome to, uh, I think it's episode six of uh, Winston Smith's Diary. I have a very special guest here. If you all don't know him or his work, it's Derek Brose, theconsciousresistance.com, freedomcells.org. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, an honor and a pleasure to be here with you doing this uh, podcast. So thank you so much for having me over and for, um, for, you know, having a little chat with me here.
1: Thanks, brother. I love the name <laughs> of the podcast.
0: I thought, I thought people who had, who had read it would get the reference because you know the book opens with he's he's in the corner outside of the telescreen and he's writing down with big brother and that's essentially the you know the concept of like yeah Fuck the technoc- yeah that's what we're doing here that's yeah. that's the point so I, I figured it. it might catch people who are kind of get the reference that uh you know that's what that's what we're about so sweet yeah, it's a yeah, good, yeah.
1: Pod- good podcast title happy to be on episode six <laughs>
0: So how about, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about, I guess, like I was, we were talking about a minute ago, um, you were just on an activation tour in the U S we're now both down, uh, in Mexico. Um, can you, you want to give me a little bit of a recap or some interesting stories or some, yeah. So,
1: I mean, for those who might not know, it was two months on the road, eight weeks across the U S myself, my partner, Miriam and friends at different parts of the tour, um, different part of the team with the Freedom Zone Network and the Greater Reset, like Ramiro Romani and John Bush were on some of the stops, uh, as well as some other well-known activists and journalists. And basically, yeah, every city we hit, we would do some sort of what we call Community Action Day. So I think when we came to Seattle, we were cleaning up a park. Um, some cities we were volunteering, you know, community farms, urban farms. We um, went out and did some, you know, work with the houseless population. We Uh, Went out and passed out flyers, did some marches against vaccine passports. So we would have that kind of aspect contributing to the community in some way um, as we visited. And then the main event kind of in the evening was Miriam's guided meditation, my presentation, sometimes other speakers, and uh, then my music and then sometimes other music as well. So it was pretty awesome. I mean, I, I enjoyed it on multiple levels. This is the third speaking tour I've done across the U.S. It's been three years since we did one. We did one 2017, 2018. And, uh, that was beautiful back then too, but things have obviously grown since then. And more and more people are asking questions because of COVID and things like that. So that was it enriching to see like, okay, the growth is there, you know, cause there was sort of some, I don't want to say concern, but just, it was in the back of my mind, like, wow, you know, I've been deleted off YouTube now in the three years since I did this. My work has grown. I've continued to do this, but I've been deleted from certain places and, you know, can I still do a tour? And this time also determined to not use Facebook in any way to promote it or anything like that. We Mm -hmm. didn't, we just did it totally just through word of mouth about people who follow my work or who found out about it by a friend. And it was, you know, three times as successful, both in I think reach and just experience and everything else. It was cool for me to be able to perform my music as well. Like not just give talks and do that side of my work, but perform music and that was fun um yeah and as far as like some really positive memories i mean the biggest city we had the biggest turnout was in the bay area um, which was we called san francisco mm. but it was more like bay area you know it was
0: outside the city limits of san francisco where they already have the vaccine
1: I, passports that's that's
0: interesting to me because i was living in seattle and i think of san francisco of even more of a, a blue super masky, yeah. super culty place but there are people there that needed to know that they weren't alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And that was, well, that's one other aspect of it is I think some of the places, even in Seattle, like parts of the country, people are like, Oh, Seattle, super lefty. Like that that place is lost. Portland, that place is lost, you know, San Francisco. But those are some of the places we had big turnouts, you know, and where there was super excited people to get involved and doesn't mean that other side doesn't exist as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, clearly, we we were in the Bay Area out, I think, in the Richmond area, something like that. But, you know, people from Oakland, from San Francisco Bay, that whole area were coming out. We had 150 people there. And then I think our kind of smallest was in Kansas City with maybe 15 people. But every one of them were just really great people who were coming out because they either follow my work or they heard through a friend or whatever brought them there. Um, and really focused on solutions for everything we're dealing with right now, which to me has always been important and now is more important than ever, right? Mm -hmm. So that was cool just to see like, oh my God, people are really getting it. For someone like myself talking about, essentially the same message I was giving on this tour was the same message in 2017, 2018. You know, it's evolved in the way I communicate it and some things have changed clearly, but essentially the same message, but now a lot more people ready to hear it. And so that was cool. Um, We had in uh, Portland, our Action Day was the first ever protest against uh, vaccine passports in the city. And about 120 or so people showed up and did like a kind of peaceful march through a busy area of Portland and a lot of outdoor cafes, so people saw us coming through and lots of support. You know, there's the people with the middle fingers up and whatever, Mm -hmm. but that's always to be expected to some degree, but overwhelming majority like support. And even a couple of people that Miriam and I talked to who were literally in tears people who are just bystanders who were like, Oh my God, I thought I was alone. I didn't realize anybody was here. I think, how do I get in touch with you guys? You know? And then other people who are like, I don't get it. Why don't y'all care about people? You know? So it was, those experiences to me are just so powerful, not just for me in my own, you know, my own experience, but to look and watch and I can see the excitement and other people realizing, wow, there are people in my community. I'm not alone, you know, and kind of taking it all in like that's powerful. And, that's not going to stop the agenda in one day, of course, but it does give people, I think the fuel they need to keep going. And that was very much the goal of the tour, the activation tour, trying mm-hmm. to like come through and provide some motivation, some inspiration and hope that people could ride that wave of activation for, you know, the next couple of weeks or month or whatever it takes for them to, into whatever next steps are for them. Right. And that's what people were expressing. I like, Oh, the people who always come out, came out like they always do. But then they got a lot of people who don't typically come out to come to a bigger event like that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe those people start getting involved. And, you know, that those are the exciting things to me. Like the, you know, the other thing I'll say, I did a video about this a couple weeks ago. We were just gifted, just people out of the kindness of their heart, all kinds of things from like T-shirts and books and like people's music and just whatever they wanted to share, you know, and that's super humbling. And um, we're still like have a box of things we're going through that people have given us from like lots of teas to just this and that, you know, it's all... It's all, that to me, like, not just the gifts, but the kind words and the hugs and everything, you know, the human connection, which is definitely something I feel like I was needing as well, is for me, like, the, the fuel to keep going, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I was talking to Miriam uh, last week when we were here, and she was, everyone was just offering to help, can help you clean up, can help you do this, and do that. And she was like, I'm so moved by their kindness, they just want to do so much. And I was kind of telling her that, you know, when I got to meet you, I've been admiring your work for, I found you, like, right before COVID, right in the early 2020. Uh, with the book, Opting Out of the Technocratic State. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I was telling her was, uh, it was just so good to be there and just to interact with you for a few moments. And you know, you got a lot of people to meet and a lot of people, but you know, your work, not just your work and uh, you know, the level of work you do, but just your, your energy, your vibe, your, the, the, you know what you're putting out there is just beyond the intellectual part of it and the journalistic part. It was just like I can understand how people want to just kind of pay you back and with, with whatever little kindness they can. Sure. You know, so. it's
1: it's it's very humbling and much appreciated. But yeah, I mean the tour was just amazing. And to the point that for those who might hear this, who thought, oh dang, I wish I would have been a part of that, we are more than likely, um, you know, depending on the state of the world, of course, mm-hmm. going to do this again in spring 2022 in the U.S. and we're planning to do it in Mexico. Um, probably February, uh, maybe a little bit of March, but after the greater reset, do a hit a few cities around Mexico and try to do the same thing. The message might be a little different, obviously, because it's different Mm -hmm. political climate, but uh, essentially, you know, same idea, because as I was telling you when you're coming down here, we're seeing more and more people in Mexico starting to ask these questions too, you know, or at the least being receptive to the information, right?
0: I hope so. Well, one thing that comes to mind when you're talking about, um, you know, just meeting different people, different people kind of waking up or, you know, coming around to it, people that were more normy, if you want to say. Um, do you get, I know you, you have some encouraging, you know, interactions with people, but for me, I guess it's kind of hard. I wonder, because so much of the lie is breaking down. For us, it's obvious, but I, for me, I want to, can I gauge what What do the masses, how much progress is actually being made? Because it looks like the the they, they're putting their foot on the gas, like, you know, really hard now, they're mm-hmm. saying, like, the uh what collins at nih said anyone who criticizes fauci should be brought to justice they're saying oh, yeah, you know they're so they're they seem very desperate and they're very you know they're they're kind of in a corner it seems like it's 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 ramping up so i guess that's a good sign it's kind of it's scary but it's also a good sign right it's so.
1: it's it's so surreal what's going on right because like you said if you're if you're if you're tuned in to even just a slight degree to different independent and alternative media who are doing their homework or even just if you are, as an individual are you know, questioning and investigating their words, then it doesn't take long to realize like, okay, something doesn't match what, the no, reality doesn't match what they're claiming, right? So you have that aspect where it, it feels very much like the charade has been exposed, you know? but then also you could walk into any walmart anywhere in the world and people are just going about their lives shopping wearing masks doing whatever and maybe having not even a questioning thought in their head right like there's still that side of the world going on they definitely still have a lot of people under their spell i would mm-hmm. say um i do think it's important to recognize that the they the predator class as i like to call them that they're not omnip on- omni you know they're not omniscient they don't know everything they're not all powerful mm-hmm. although it does feel that way sometimes because they have such years and probably centuries to some would say thousands of years of planning depending on how you want to look at it um, you know and they're, they're we're definitely facing some monumental circumstances but I do think that it's important to recognize that yes not everybody is under their spell I definitely see more people asking questions than I have in the 12 years that I've been doing this and I know folks who've been around a lot longer than me who say similar that they're like yeah I feel I see the momentum and, and I feel that on our side too right but I, I th- also feel like you know, maybe part of this shift to wherever we're going is it's becoming more chaotic and they're trying to manifest their vision of the world and we're trying to manifest our vision of the world, right? Ultimately, I think that they, the predator class, that one of their greatest secret is they understand the power of our minds and our ability to manifest, which is why they feed people and show people this like fear porn and distractions and all this so that either people don't even believe in their own power to manifest or they're too distracted or they have the masses sort of co-creating what they want to manifest by us sort of buying into their vision. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's that going on where they still got people under their spell, co-creating the vision that they want. There's a lot more people asking questions and kind of in this space, it feels like to me, That wherever your attention is at and like your focus is at, that's going to become your reality, right? If things are so crazy right now, people are dying everywhere and it's so horrifying out there. I need to wear a mask. I need to wash my hands all the time. That's your reality. You know what I mean? Like, and they're out there ready to tell you that's your reality. Watch CNN, watch Fox, whatever they'll tell you, that's the reality. Mm -hmm. But if you live your life pretty freely and generally healthy person and good to other people and don't live in fear that's there, there's that reality out there too right I mean I've been living this for the last year and a half doesn't mean I don't see the other people live in the other reality <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm just kind of going about my life and it's like wow I've had the best year of my <laughs> life you know like so I, I think it's very much like it's it's this paradoxical super chaotic thing of competing perspectives and realities but whatever you
0: choose right now feels like that's what you're going to experience you know and if you could offer a perspective for someone who might, who might just be coming around, who m- might just be waking up and just, tr- and just grasping the, the extent of what, what is uh, being foisted upon us. Um, a lot of people, I mean, to me, even like, you know, I've known that politics is bullshit for a long time. You know, all these different yeah. truth issues. I've been, I'm, in, I'm, I'm ahead, you know. But even still seeing, like I said, that it's being accelerated so hard right now, it's like, wow, I didn't expect it to become like, this hard and this yeah. fast, this New World Order, this whatever you want to call it, the fourth industrial revolution, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so as far as if you could, you know, for to make someone aware of how serious this is, that you can't just, like you've talked about in a lot of your recent work, we can't just talk about the problem. We can't just sure. talk about how bad it is and, oh, did you see this? Okay, we need solutions. We need action. So I think you need to realize the, the gravity of what we're facing, but also not get paralyzed by fear and paralyzed yeah. by doom and gloom. So yeah. what's the most constructive way, you know, you can try to hopefully that people might be able to approach that.
1: I mean, if people are waking up right now, gosh, what <laughs> a crazy time to wake up. I feel like, and maybe it's always been that way. Cause When I think, I started waking up 2009, 2010, and I'm sure, you know, looking back at history, that was like shortly after the financial, you know, market collapse. There's always chaotic things going on in the world, right? Maybe it just feels like an extra, especially chaotic time going on. I mean, it's definitely unprecedented times for sure. And I do feel like it's got to be extremely difficult because disinformation is real, both from the government and in the alternative media and i don't feel like it was as difficult to navigate the space 10 years ago as it is now where like if you're just waking up not only is it let's say more difficult i think to start waking up if you're just going from normie searching youtube Oh, and you're into some, you like weird supernatural things. So you start going down that rabbit hole before you know it leads, it used to lead you to 9-11 or yeah. something else, you Yeah. Know? And then you could be up all night watching documentaries and the next day your life's never the same, right? Like you just went down the rabbit hole and totally woke up and started your journey. You start hearing about these different websites and reading their articles and checking out their videos. That's much harder to do now to go just from straight watching tennis videos on YouTube to accidentally stumble into this. They've sanitized so much of the internet already, you know, Google search results, YouTube, obviously Facebook, things like that. So that's one thing that I think is difficult is that anybody out there who is hasn't gotten there yet it's more difficult to reach them um or it can be if, if unless they already know somebody who knows hey you ever heard of bit shoot hey you ever heard of odyssey because they're not going to hear about it just through the mainstream channels so that's one thing i think is important to acknowledge but once people do get past that and they stumble onto an alternative social media platform or some video or even i mean there are people who are more in the almost mainstream on the edge of mainstream who aren't, you know, seen as conspiracy theorists who are starting to question things. That's the crazy, you know, aspect of this is you have doctors, health professionals, Mm -hmm. you got comedians, you got people who typically were just normie square, regular people, right. Who are now being banned and censored themselves just for asking general, like kind of basic common sense questions about COVID. So there are still avenues for people to get to that information, but ultimately it's like what you, you were saying that I do feel that I was joking a little bit on tour. It's like, Hey, if you just woke up, there's no time to watch the YouTube videos right now. We'll we'll, we'll fill you in later. Right now, let's start growing food, right? Because, you know, waking up, that alone is a traumatic, insane experience. you just having to unlearn or relearn things and so much of what you thought was true is not and maybe you have all kinds of emotions going on about that, right? And then at the same time, feeling like, Oh my God, this is happening right now. It's pressing in on you. So you don't really even have the luxury of like, okay, this is real, but it's twenty years down the line. It feels like it's right here. So it's like, oh my God, people are waking up, an extra chaotic mindset, as I mentioned earlier, with the misinformation. They might stumble onto some websites that aren't so trustworthy or aren't so credible. And yeah, they trust the main they question the mainstream, but then maybe they pick up other faulty information from other sources, right? So there's just a lot to navigate in that. And my advice, I guess, or suggestion to anybody who's newly joined the the fight as it is, is to breathe, you know, take some time to be careful, not get sucked into everything. Cause I definitely, I think like a lot of us had my freak out period in the beginning because I felt that paranoia, that intensity of after watching like Alex Jones documentaries and some other things of feeling like it was about to happen. Like, oh my God, the police state's here. Like they're about to come in and I was just driving everybody crazy around me and I was flipping out and I, I was stressing myself out a lot, you know, and I had to, get to the place of calming down and then realize, okay, this is real. This is actually happening. It's not happening tomorrow. So what can I do about it? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is most important is once you get to the point of waking up, getting to the point of like, okay, have your, your freak out moment, get angry, get sad. You deserve to have those emotions and go through that, but really get to a place where you can center yourself and say, how can I best approach this to take care of my friends and my family? Right what about this thing that I'm learning about this great reset or about how these banking systems are corrupt or how the pharmaceutical systems corrupt or this or that, or education, whatever it may be, how can I start to break away from those systems, right? How can I start removing my support from those systems? And I feel like so many people now are thinking in those terms of building parallel networks, parallel societies now, basically agorism and counter economics, which I've been talking about for years. And it's so cool to see that happening because I feel like, prior to COVID people knew there were problems, but there weren't a lot of people putting solutions out there were. not And there wasn't even really a, a motivation to do anything about it. It was just like, yeah, we know things are crazy, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to just go about my life and keep going. Cause whatever. And now people are like, Oh no, we can't just go about our lives. We need to protest. We need to pull our kids out of the school. We need to pull our money out of the banks. We need to move to Mexico, whatever it is. Like people are making real life moves. People are buying land, people are growing food. And it's beautiful to see um, but yeah, I think that's, what's most important is figuring out what you can do from whatever position you are as an individual or in your family or your community, start finding other people like freedom cells and stuff like that, getting organized and figuring out what are the most proactive steps you can take in your life. Cause I've also found if you're being proactive, then there's not so much room to just be living in fear, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing nothing, then yeah, it's understandable why you might be paranoid and going crazy, because you're just sitting there doing nothing, and so you're gonna feel disempowered. Like, oh my God, this crazy thing's happening, and I'm just frozen. Well, don't be frozen. Find a way to get centered and kind of work through that, and that takes some time, of course, but get to that point of acceptance, and then figure out, okay, so now what can I do? Now that I know this is happening, I'll keep learning, I'll keep researching, but I need to be proactive and start, especially because, yeah, it doesn't feel like we got much time. You know, we do feel like we're in a time-sensitive situation here.
0: Yeah, uh, just going along with what you said about uh, when I think about, you know, when I see these things, I saw just this thing recently about some whatever main network was talking about how to uh, how to organize your Thanksgiving. And uh, you might want to have people wait out in the garage and um, check their status and all this kind of stuff. And even if you buy into it, people have got to be so sick of this. But the realization that I had is that, and we see what's happening in Australia and Austria, like they're getting closer to the, the literal nightmare there. But, um, wow. but, the, but the thing is, it's not just a cliche. If people just realized like, we don't have to live like this. It's yeah. not natural. We're not meant to do it. It's not valid. It's not warranted. We don't need to give these people control. And if enough of us regular little people just decide not to, then that's it. it. It it can be that simple. It's not just mm-hmm. a cliche, but, you know, it's hard to get people to realize that, obviously, because of people got to, you know, people got to pay their mortgage and feed their kids. And and, and, and it's it, scary. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And like yeah. you said,
1: those everyday things don't feel and in some cases won't wait. You're like, well, I need to fight for my f- freedom and for my family's future and freedom, but I also need to keep going to work and paying the, on the house, you know? And it's like, I don't know, sooner or later, I do feel like people are going to I just hope that it doesn't take for people to lose everything or close to everything to realize they have to fight, you know, because I think that's what I saw with COVID is that again, some of us have known about this for years and even people I've known who are reaching a lot of people and super, you know, educated, informed people, but aren't really doing anything about it. Right? Like, okay, well you, you, you know what's happening, but what are we doing about it? Right. And so with COVID the threat seemed so real and in our face as it is right here, ever present. And for people like in Australia, it's very real, right. In other places. Um, and that was a motivating factor for a lot of people to quit their jobs, move States or countries or cities or whatever, and do all these different things, which is great. Cause that's what it takes real world action. But, I just wish that it wouldn't take for things to get much much worse for more people to act and that's what i'm hoping that like that was the whole goal of the tour as well to come around and say hey guys like you know red alert like let's get our shit together right now and not wait till it's like now we're under the crunch and here it is and all i didn't prepare now i don't know what to do and i guess Mm -hmm. i'll just give in right like i want to be ahead of the game as much as possible so that i can help myself and the people i love and then hopefully be in a position to help other people because if i'm in scarcity mindset and i'm playing catch up or i never did anything to help myself even though i knew this was coming then i'm not gonna be able to help anybody else either you know
0: yep okay one other thought that was coming to me is i guess i'm wondering you know we see different places around the world and um some are you know the boot is is is, cl- is on the neck uh firmer than others and i guess if Would you want to speculate? I I would hope that the U.S. would hold out a little longer. I guess we'll see. They'll probably, I mean, I guess they're going to do it in steps, too. But um, like you said, you're going to see next year. Are you going to be able to freely travel interstate in America? We don't know. But I would, I guess, you know, coming from my American upbringing, I would hope that it would hold out a little longer or some of these, you know, whether they're Trumpers or traditional conservatives or, or constitutionalists, I mean a lot of those people are already saying, no, fuck, this sure. is not acceptable, but I still think they're not they don't have the full picture, you know what I mean so they' they're kind of they're, they're in the right direction yeah so hopefully that'll that'll help but um I don't know, do you have a, an inkling of I guess if you were to guess how my, that might I play mean, out or
1: I, I'm with you on hoping that and and praying that the us can put up some some efforts to slow this down. I would say to some degree that is happening. We don't see massive protest movements to the degree we see in Europe and even Australia. I mean, that's the thing, even the, the places that are the worst right now are the places that are still getting out and protesting and pushing back and in some cases having to fight cops and do all, you know, things are getting real out there. And the US, I mean, we just traveled two months around the country and for the most part, the US feels pretty normal. Like my recommendation and kind of warning to the people who are in those places that felt normal. Cause you know, in San Francisco, it's not very normal that you can't go inside anywhere without showing proof, mm-hmm. New York city, things like there's definitely some places where it's not normal. And even in places that are conservative, like Kentucky, you're seeing some of these things happen, but people in Texas, Florida, maybe Iowa, a couple other States are like Arizona, we're chilling, you know, nothing, we're fine, whatever, no, no reason to worry. And my message to them was just like, look, it might feel that way right now, but their agenda is still rolling forward. Right. So, and, and, you know, regards to your question about what's coming in 2022 and see the greater resets, the end of January, I think we'll be okay for that period of time. But I would be surprised if by the end of 2022, the borders are still, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to know, right? Like I don't think Mexico has any desire to close the borders. They benefit from the tourism and from the back and forth. Right. But what it would be, it'll be an interesting situation because officially the federal government controls the borders on the u.s side right so the customs agency the border patrol but you also have texas state troopers and you know so if the state of texas says hey we're open but the feds are like no we're closing the border Mm -hmm. it could be interesting how that plays out right and what is sort of the most in our face you know aspect of this is the recent announcement by the biden well two things the biden administration's mandate for companies with more than 100 employees to through osha to start mandating uh, the shot or some sort of testing requirement so many people sued some of the courts have held up and, and put a, a temporary halt on it while they figure it out osha said okay we're not going to enforce it it was supposed to go into effect uh january 4th for the biden administration and now the biden administration even told osha ignore the courts do it anyways and they're like we're not going to do that so it's you know going to do court battles for a little while right that could take some time for the moment that's not going where that say that's a good sign um, and then you also have other changes like the border changes that have happened as of this month, November, people who are not us citizens, non-residents. so if you're a citizen or a resident or you know you've got some sort of temporary or whatever, you nothing's changed for you as far as coming back and forth. you know, we've been able to come back and forth for the last year and a half. I've been telling everybody they've been lying saying the border was closed. It was closed to foreigners who for a while, but not to U.S. citizens. But they tried to make it sound like it was closed to everybody. Mm-hmm. Now what's changed is that non-citizens and non-residents entering the country, so Canadians, Mexicans, et cetera, have to be vaccinated if they are flying in beginning this month, um, or they can do a test for the moment, and I think that's going to change. They set a date for when that won't be acceptable. And then January, it's going to be ferry travel, boat travel, car travel, and plane travel for any foreigners all have to be vaccinated well, I'm just thinking
0: of like let's say all the trucks, all the produce and other products that go from Mexico into the US go through it and buy a truck, right? Yeah. So they're all gonna be subject to that. So that's gonna yeah. be a pretty damn And big, there's
1: some lawsuits yeah. coming for that as well. I was actually just reading about that this morning. There's definitely people already saying like the truck some truck um unions and industry groups just saying like, hey, this is this is gonna be ridiculous. This is gonna affect, you know, all so again, we'll see how it plays out, right? But we also have to think about that this this we're almost on two years into this thing isn't that crazy like yeah. it's almost been two years since march 2020 when this whole thing began like we're, we're coming up on two years of this and we know that agenda 2030 is their goal the un and the world economic forum have called this the decade of transformation so i don't think it's just going to go away this could just be the battle for the rest of this decade is like the court you know they keep trying and people keep fighting they keep trying you know i mean mm-hmm. and honestly i think that's kind of our perpetual battle right the the, the One Jefferson quote I like is the cost of liberty is eternal vigilance, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that is true and that there's always going to be somebody who seeks to have power over other people, unfortunately, until we really do evolve, which I think and hope that is coming at some point. I don't know if in our lifetime or whatever, but we work towards it either way, right? But until that happens, there's going to be people who do seek to have, you know, power over other people and take advantage of situations. And so it's kind of like we, if we... We stopped the Great Reset, right? And then we, okay, we've created a new world. And then we rest on our laurels. We become old men, right? By time we're old men, the next generation's gonna be fighting it because it'll come, you know, back in some new expression of whatever. Human
0: nature, the nature of power, the nature of all that, yeah.
1: It's just there, right? But in this specific instance, we know these people have an agenda. 2030. It's 2021, about to be 2022. So it's very clear we're in this fight, right? And so. I don't know. I mean, I, I do hope that the borders stayed open. I have been I was surprised a few times that they've even stayed open this long. And I am thankful that there are, you know, lawsuits for whatever they're worth. I don't think we should put all our faith in lawsuits, of course, at the courts or anything like that. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's going to take if, if, like, what happens because I, I wouldn't agree with it even if the court said, oh yeah, this is legal. That doesn't mean it's right to me, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. like So it's like, if the court is on my side, it's like, that's cool, but I don't really trust the courts anyways, because they could say the other way, and what we're just supposed to accept it, oh, exactly. the court said, you don't, yeah. no, I'm not gonna accept it either way. And I think it just has to get to that point, right? If they try to close the borders, if they try to close industry, if they try to start restricting interstate travel, people have to like constantly resist and like non-comply, like, and I don't know what that looks like exactly. I know in places like Australia, I've told a story about some of our freedom cell friends out there they they were celebrating a birthday and they had to sneak out of the checkpoint sneak past the curfew to go on a camping trip to celebrate a birthday party right so people who want to are still resisting and not complying right now the average person probably isn't going to do that mm-hmm. right i mean but i think those of us who see like hey we need to get out of here maybe we start getting outside of the checkpoint and into the countryside and building our own thing eventually right i mean I don't know. None of us, I think, can ultimately predict where it goes. I'm going to keep going back and forth every couple months while I can to see my family. And I've been helping them get their passports and sort of I'm not trying to convince them to come to Mexico, but I at least want them to have a while the opportunities there to have a passport to get the heck out if they need to. And also to know that, like, hey, even if you didn't have your passport, we'll figure it out. It's Mexico, right? We'll, (laughs) We'll make it work.
0: All right, I want to do one more thing, uh, dif- uh, just a, a little bit of a pivot of uh, topics here. I personally, I'm just interested in learning a little bit about how you decided to start doing, uh, you know, music as 33, as, you know, MC and all that. I, I'm just curious that from a musical perspective, like, sure. how did that come about? Who are some of your, like, I don't know, favorite artists, influences? I don't know, just how did that come yeah. to be? That's something you're doing now.
1: Yeah, man, it's. <sighs> I, I love talking about music. It's It's so interesting because most of the people who have become either friends or associates or just watch my work online um, haven't, you know, it's not really, that isn't really anything I've shared before, but I've been playing music since I was like 13 years old, you know, and just, uh, you know, I can mess around on a keyboard, and I love m- playing with electronics, I used to just make my own beats and do stuff like that, but really, I grew up listening to like punk and metal, you know, so mm-hmm. I've always been a vocalist, um, played a little bit of bass here and there, but mainly always done vocals, and even till... 2019 I was in a band in Houston we were going to the studio they actually kicked me out because I'm so busy doing these things <laughs> like yeah, I just after yeah. a while I'm like, dude I get it like I'm never I'm barely there I'm just yeah. traveling and doing this and that but I loved it and it was uh you know it's totally different style of course because I'm doing a lot of screaming and growling and I like doing some spoken word and just different things like that that's what I've always done and play percuss- percussion and drums I can play a drum kit like I love music's just so vital to me but when I started to wake up 2009 when I got out, got out of prison in 2008, I was playing around, maybe just jamming with some people, nothing serious. Then 2009 started to wake up, 2010 started this activist group and it just consumed my life, like, you know, for years. Like it just, con- they swallowed me up and I didn't play music for probably four, two, three, four, yeah, four years and it was just like i started to feel like there was something missing like in my soul you know it's like i need music i love music i'm not a day goes by that i'm not listening to different types of music you know so I, I i was really missing that side of expression you know i was getting to learn journalism and activism but it was like i need to play music and i was in a band uh then as well that was called mononkari and we did a couple of albums like locally in houston played a bunch of shows, and. We were having a good time and uh yeah i mean ultimately like this has just become more of my life so it's been hard to sort of balance that and then i was in this other band more recently that let me go because i was so busy and at the same time over the years my interest in hip-hop has like grown i mean i've listened to hip-hop since like high school had friends who would you know try to rap and really into like eminem and tupac and kind of stuff like that so i was always around it to some degree or another and enjoyed you know some definitely there's like a lot of modern hip-hop I definitely think is trash and uh or just not my taste I'll say right
0: I agree I'll there's be a generous few that I'm, a, I'm an old guy I'm 40 I'm a child of the 90s so I love sure. my 90s shit but there's a few contemporary that I that I can see that I enjoy but largely especially that anything that's in the you know remotely popular spectrum is not, oh yeah not, it's not, not for me but, far you know. and few between right yeah yeah yeah. so yeah.
1: I mean I'm kind of the same way like, but I love instrumentals I love beats I love like just hip. so like often for example, when I'm getting ready to write an article, I just put on instrumental music. Like I'll find mm. just different like hip hop beats. I like, or I'll just find just yeah. Instrumental tracks, jazz hop, uh, hip hop, just trip hop, just different things. I just, you know, look around and find stuff that gets me in a groove while I'm writing. And I just kind of get in the zone. And so I've always enjoyed that expression and insert, you know, certain artists, but it wasn't really till when I was, so I'm, I'm about to turn 37 in a couple of days. And, uh, when I was 33, I, so four years ago, I guess, uh, I was in Houston living in what used to be the free thinker house. And I was definitely going through a lot of stuff. And I don't even remember like where the idea came to just start like playing around with it. Like I think, I think just generally with music lyrics will always come to me when I'm riding my bike. I love riding bikes. So I'd be riding my bike all around Houston and songs would just come to my head different like lyrics for, Sometimes a song that felt like, oh, this is going to be for some metal or heavy music, or this could be some, you know, like a poem or something. I don't know. And I would just pull over and write things down. Hmm. So I started to get a collection of different things that I don't know what they're going for. I'm just saving them up for whatever. And uh, one of the things that was going on around in my life at that time is that my birth father, who has been in and out of prison my entire life and struggled with drug addiction his whole life, he died of a drug overdose. Like he's not even originally from the Houston, well, he's lived in the Houston area, but he's been in Austin and to central Texas for a long time. And he had been released maybe a year and a half before that, and was doing good for a while. He was out for the longest period of time that he'd been in my entire, my entire life. And, uh, but he just, you know, he kind of started going back to the same thing and he ended up overdosing in a, in a hotel, not far from where I was living, you know, and it was, it wasn't like, a huge shock, but it definitely was a disappointment. You know what I mean? Cause there was part of me that was like, damn it. I, I, I thought he could do it. You know, I was hoping and praying for him and pushing for him. And as, as an adult, I'd kind of come to terms with the trauma that I dealt with and came to him and said, Hey, I forgive you. Everything's cool. Like I want you to do whatever you want with your life. Like I want to see you happy. And so it was a lot to take on and, and really having that happen. And then yeah, one day I'm at the house. I've got my room set up with like my PA and my speakers, and I just put my phone on and hit record, and like turned on some beats, just blasting through the speakers and my microphone, and just I went off for like four hours, I swear, like what? just, just all kinds of stuff, and none of it, none of it was perfect, of course. It was just things were coming yeah, out, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd you know stumble, and I just go back at it and just do it. I was just, but it was just wow. so much like energy was being released, and so much stuff was coming out. And I recorded the whole thing and you know, it's a crappy recording of just the phone in the room, yeah. but I went back and listened to it and I was like, wow, there's some things in there. I went you, and kept the gems, beats. You can, yeah, exactly. Uh, I started can... like pulling some stuff from there. And so that was like three or four years ago. And it's just slowly evolved since then. And, playing with some beats telling a few friends who i know because i've got to know over the years a lot of like truther rappers and like activists who also are hip-hop artists and stuff and really take inspiration from them and and so i just kind of started telling some friends like hey i think i'm i'm gonna try to do this thing but i hadn't really shared any anything of it all not even with miriam it was just like keeping it super close to my chest and then this year, 2021 is when I was like, I I need to get something out. I need to release something like this. And it's this, so the first release I just put out is called letters to myself. It's at soundcloud.com slash 33 is here. And that is what came from those experiences of like dealing with my dad. Like the idea kind of evolved just more and more to like these songs were just like self therapy for me. Like Mm -hmm. if anybody enjoys listening to them, cool. But this is just something I need to do for myself, you know? So that's kind of like letters to myself, things that I'm writing. So a lot of it, like, Connects to and references some of the stuff with my dad, but also for me, at least for this specific release, the music is also about helping me connect to whenever I was dealing with addiction and depression and some of the stuff that I really don't feel anymore. Like I, I feel like I've healed a lot from it, but I still. I just I love still staying connected to that mindset if that makes sense because I know that there are other people and I know that when I was going through that stuff that the music I'm trying to make would have helped me a lot if that mm-hmm. may, you know what I mean it's like I'm trying to make music for myself and people like myself who might still be struggling with those things or have gone through some real shit and also make it conscious you know I, I can't help but just whatever i do i'm going to bring in those elements exactly yeah but i try i hesitate to call my music conscious or truth hip-hop because i, I was talking about this with a friend the other day like i don't know i might just make a song soon that's just about smoking about weed having fun you know, party, know yeah like, I don't know. drinking uh, i don't know yeah. whatever just I, I don't think i'll do anything like too like out of character of yeah, course yeah, yeah, but yeah, i yeah. might just want to write a song that's just about the day I have or whatever. I don't want to feel like I'm in a cage, even if it's the truth conscious, Mm -hmm. you know, box or whatever. So yeah, I mean, at this point I've put out that thing, letters to myself and the whole thing I was telling myself was like, I just need to get this out. And if people enjoy it, cool. We, I'm working with some friends on a music video. We actually, well, we were traveling around the tour. We were filming me performing some of the songs in different locations. So we're going to put out like a, at least one video for this release. And yeah, then uh,
0: in Seattle, you weren't able to do it. So i missed that. Oh, you know, man, I, didn't, I didn't get it in Seattle. So dude, but. I'm, well,
1: <laughs> I'll definitely will be performing at the greater reset and I'm hoping to do, I mean, I love performing. It was so cool, but yeah, there was a few stops on the tour. We didn't get to do it for different reasons. And, uh, it definitely was something I was like, damn it. I, I love performing it every night. Right. But yeah, and also just as far as you know what's coming up next i mean i put that out people are responding well to it i had fun with it and lately i've been like getting the itch like it's definitely on my to-do list i'm like i, I need to find like some new beats to start working with just because it feels like there's some some stuff that needs to come out I know, next. i might have to
0: send you a few yeah you know, man i'm have, definitely down yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm
1: down to work with anybody and I, I love like i said it's totally new to me it's because I'm used to working with a band, right? I'm sitting in a room with four or five people and we're hashing out a song. This, what I do think works for the moment for my lifestyle as well, is just because I am so busy with my other work that somebody can send me a beat and I can just sit and kind of play with it in my time. I got, you know, I don't, I can practice in my own space and Mm -hmm. time and then work with the, you know, producer or whatever, back and forth till it's fine tuned. It's a little easier to manage than dealing with four or five people's schedules when I'm already super busy, you know? And so it's, it just works better for now, I Mm -hmm. think.
0: One other thing and I'll let you go soon, but uh, just on the, on this topic, I think it's interesting that when I observe a lot of um, whether you want to come like truth researchers, journalists, activists, a lot of them to me or a lot of them are musicians, they're creative people, yeah. they're artists, they're comedians you know a lot of these people, if you look back at, um, truth can be packaged in comedy. it can yeah. and, and truth that is, maybe not um easy to say in everyday conversation that's why music like you can expose these emotions and these tough things and it's something that we as humans we we receive it in that context a little easier than just having you know you can't have these conversations so i think that's it's interesting for me to see a lot of people that kind of are just you know tuned in to what is really going on by default just by our wiring that there's a there's a parallel there's a link between creative artistic types yeah. and people who kind of can see it you know, natively, so. you know what I mean? So I think so. Yeah. I
1: mean, you're right. There's definitely a lot of people who are, whether it's musicians of different types or uh, painters or just, just artists generally like, right. Like, cause I feel for me, I've learned over the years that my, my voice speaking and writing is another art as well that I've had to get more comfortable in, like embracing. Cause you know, this, all this stuff just helped me take on my passions and things that I, I think I had beforehand, but just sort of embrace them because I feel like, you know what, I'm going to use this for a good reason. So it's not just about making music because I want to be famous, right? Or writing articles because I want somebody to follow me. It's like, because it feels like it's about something bigger, it helps me take the passions and the, I guess, the creative outlets that I already have and then use them for something more. Right. And I've noticed it definitely with, you know, James Corbett, he plays guitar. There's Mm -hmm. all, I mean, all kinds of people, people who are well-known and just other people I've met in the community, so much talent, so much creativity. There's definitely seems to be some sort of link between Obviously, not everybody, there's exceptions, but the, oh, true, the, yeah, the, the creative yeah. mind <laughs> yeah. and being able to be skeptical about the world around
0: you. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like something's there. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good, uh, good chunk of time that you give me here. I appreciate it so much. We'll put all Derek's info in the description. Check him out at dot freedomcells.org. We'll put your SoundCloud link up. Thank Anything you. else, we'll add all that info. And if you're listening, watching this and you're not familiar with his work, I'm kind of surprised, but, um, but you need to definitely tune into what he's doing because he's doing the Lord's work, whatever the Lord, the Lord in the general sense, you know, uh, whatever your belief system is or isn't, but, um, I appreciate the work you do. And yeah, man, thank you so much for, for chat with me. I appreciate it big time.
1: Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me on, man.
0: All right. Until next time, people peace out.